friends, and welcome. Listen, life is a journey filled with unexpected detours, and most of us have experienced at least one, and maybe more, life-altering pitfalls. How we choose to react and grow from heartbreaks, roadblocks, stumbles, and struggles, well, that's where the magic is created. Tune in twice a month when me, Kathy Talone, asks, and then what happened? You don't want to miss an episode as we go on a fascinating journey with new and old friends sharing their ups and downs on their unique path to personal freedom. I'm so grateful you joined us. Thanks for being here. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to And Then What Happened. I am so grateful for you to be here. I'm so excited. Moving forward with season two, I have an incredible lineup of women who are going to share their passions, their purposes, and inspiration on everything. So thank you again for being here. Today, I have the most inspirational woman, and it is honestly, it's, I'm, we'll share this story, but I am really excited. This is almost like a little dream come true. I have been thinking about this woman. I've been following this woman for just over three years. And so I'm just going to go ahead right now, and I'm going to introduce Lainey Liberty. This woman is a best-selling author, an international speaker, community leader, teen mentor, and alternative education advocate who helped to spearhead the thriving world school movement. Liberty has spoken about world schooling on 10X stage in Amsterdam and written about learning through travel from multiple magazines, academic journals, and websites, including the International Journal of Education, Journal of Unschooling and Alternative Learning, People Magazine, Huffington Post, USA Today, The New York Times, The New York Post, and has contributed to several books on the topic of world schooling. Lainey co-founded Project World School with her son in 2012, as well as Project World School Family Summits, where she produced 10 in-person international conferences with hundreds of families across Europe, Asia, and Mexico since 2016. Lainey, unbelievable what you have done and the movement that you've created, the inspiration that you've shared in this incredible community that you have really helped build. So I could not be happier to have you with us today. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for the intro and thanks for the invite. <laughs> Thank you, lady, so much for being here. What we, what I love to do, I love diving into people's stories, to women's stories, not just struggle to victory, but also just staying on your path and really just, you know, having these, this creation, this manifestation of who you are and having you share your story with my guests and my audience. It just means the world to me. So you are a best-selling author and an international speaker, a community leader, a teen mentor, and an alternative education advocate. I mean, that is a mouthful, Lainey. How I got introduced to you it's, is through Project World School in the world schooling community. But why don't you just share who you are and, um, yeah, what all of this means? 
Sure, sure. I'm happy to share with your audience so they have some background. I am a mom, and to me, that's like my most sort of powerful and challenging and fulfilling role I've ever stepped into. And all of my story comes from that. So that's really at the center of everything. Um, I am originally from California and um, Los Angeles. And in 2008, we had, we experienced an economy crash. And as a result of that, as a business owner, I had worked in um, uh, marketing, graphic design, uh, advertising, branding, um, and web de- web design, you know, design of all sorts um, for almost 20 years. In the last eight of those years, I owned my own business. And when the economy crashed, I knew I wasn't bringing my staff back at the end of the year. And I remember late one night, I was sitting in the office with my son, who was then nine years old. And I turned around and I looked at him and I said, his name is Miro. I said, Miro, what do you think if we just get rid of all of this stuff and go have an adventure? And he was like, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, one question first. And I said, sure. And he said, do I have to go to school? And I said, no. So we, that, he said, then I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And from that point, our lives changed. They transformed very, very differently. Um, that I had ever expected. We decided to take off for what was to be a one-year trip. And our trajectory was to start in Los Angeles and just go south and end up at the tip of Argentina, Ushuaia, Argentina. And then we hightail it back home and continue with our lives. And that was going to be our one-year adventure. Um, one of the other things that my son said to be all the time before we left was, mom, you never spend any time with me. You're always working. And it was true. And it was a heartbreak. And there was there was a lot of sort of cognitive dissonance because I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing. I was running a very successful agency. Um, I had people working for me. I had a reputation and a name. But I was... I became I had this drive to become successful in my field so I could provide for my family. And as a single parent, like, you know, the pull between work and the American dream and spending time with my child, I could not figure out that balance. And when I knew that I wasn't bringing my staff back, this was like, this is the only thing that I wanted to do. It was like, I knew like I was going to take my next breath. I knew that this was the right thing to do. And he was in, and that was the beginning of our sort of adventure story where everything changed. I hear this story. I'm a transformational life coach for women. I hear this story over and over. And it's heartbreaking, truly. As moms, we feel like and we want to do so right for our children. We want to provide everything for them financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And that's who we are. So we create this system for ourselves of what it's supposed to look like, right? Old paradigms, old mindsets. But we create this environment where we're always trying to create the perfect scenario to give to our child. And more often than not, it literally does the opposite. Yeah. It takes away from this experience. We're trying to give so much. And what they really want is to be with us. 
Yeah. And so you decided at the end of 2008 to pack up everything and go on a one year adventure with your son, with your nine year old, which is such a perfect age to do that. Who was your mentor? What were you looking at? What were you listening to that inspired you to take this big leap? Because you were established in a business. Yeah. So what were you watching? What what was kind of the vision that you were holding that you could say, yes, I can be safe. I can, you know, be successful in a one-year adventure with my son. Well, I didn't have the idea of leaving permanently. That wasn't the belief. But the I the the desire to take the trip was not really my desire. It was like the desire flowed through me because I knew that this was what we were doing. I knew with full confidence that this was our path. And I knew it in such a way that was this deep knowing, which is very, very different than than you know, thinking it was, and it wasn't even belief. It was just this knowing that this was my path and I needed to follow it. And that to me is really interesting because the, the inspired thought came through me and it, I, I don't even know how else to explain it. I didn't create this. This wasn't me. This was being guided to do this. And I just knew that this, this is, I didn't even know I was going to ask my son this question. And it, I witnessed it coming out of my mouth when it came out. Um, in terms of preparation, there are a couple of books that I read. Um, and, you know, before I tell you those books, the other thing that was part of my sort of inner knowing is that I traveled for a year when I was a early 20s, I was 20 to 20 or 21 to 22, maybe somewhere around there. I traveled by myself for a year. And so I knew how transformational that experience could be. And I knew I had the confidence to do it. I, I had already done it as a young woman. And I knew it would just be an amazing adventure. And the books that I read was, were, um, I read the four hour work week, before I left, and I read the book Vagabonding. So those two books gave me that, you know, sort of belief that I could do it. And we didn't set out to, you know, change. I didn't set out to change my my uh, career path. I figured I, I, you know, was a lifer. I'd be in advertising for the rest of my life, even though I was really burnt out. And it wasn't my intention to find a new way to work or a new career, but it did happen. I don't do advertising or marketing or branding anymore, um, but that just happened to be a byproduct of our travels. So what I'm hearing is that you weren't, you were not in like a survival mode. It doesn't seem to me that you were like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, like a sink or swim moment. Sounds like this was, kind of a divine knowing and it was like all right let's just let's just do this is that is that what i'm getting well that yes i mean i'm not gonna deny that i have been in survival mode a million times on this journey because you know that uh -huh. happens but the decision wasn't made from that place the inspiration okay. didn't come from that place it came from a deeper oh. 
Yeah, for sure. Just trying to get a full sense of like where you were at this moment. You know, because so much of this is really inspiring everyone listening to this story that, you know, they can do anything they want, you know. So we're here as women, not just telling your amazing story, but, you know, collectively inspiring others. So really painting this picture and bringing down to like, what was your energy at this time? But it doesn't sound like to me, you were just about to jump off the cliff and you landed in Argentina. (laughs) Oh, no, no, that wasn't the intention or the plan at all. Okay. So take us to um, kind of the, you were talking about the preparation, but you were headed to Argentina. That was the first stop in what? No, the first stop was Mexico. And it just happens to be where I'm talking to you from right now. So we just started in Los Angeles and headed south. And all we had was a direction. So south is where we're going. <laughs> and we, we had the freedom to choose anything in between. Now, we did a bunch of prep before we left. And part of the thing that I was really clear about from a parenting perspective was I did not want to force my child to go. I wanted this to be our adventure. This was about us. This was about a deep need that he had to really uh, connect with his mom and spend time together and a deep need that I had, which was to heal the wounds that I perceived that I created by not being available. And I really wanted to show up for him in that way. But I didn't want it to be me pulling him or pushing him. I wanted this to be a side-by-side journey. So right from the get-go, we decided that we were doing this in partnership and we were going to have a journey that looked like a partnership. And so what that meant was the budget was ours. The decision was ours. The money that we had in savings was ours. He had all the account information. We made decisions together. We researched together. And nobody was an authority over another person. Now, in partnership, and I call this partnership parenting, but in partnership, everybody who comes to partnerships like husbands and wives and wives and wives and husbands and husbands, whatever your your dynamic is, or you know, business partners or friends, friends, we all come as different people. We are individuals with our separate set of values and needs and desires and preferences and wants and skills and abilities. And me as the parent and the adult, right? You know, my my responsibilities and skills and abilities were very different than my son's. And so I was the breadwinner and I was the adult and there were certain things that I did just because of those experiences that I had previous. And his his job was to come and show up as he was. And he brought this grand sense of wonderment and curiosity to everything. And that was his role. And even though I'm not saying that my role was more more uh, important or his role was more important, together we created the dynamic, the partnership dynamic, and that's what it looked like. So it doesn't mean equal. It means partners. And that's how we... Like, yeah, excuse me. I'm just thinking almost like the hardware and the software, right? It's just kind of like this yin and yang. It's that's amazing. So you're creating the the container. Um, he's bringing all of this, like you said, this wonderment, this you know childlike creativity 
and you both benefit from it. So one year, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, tell us a few highlights of that year, things that you learned, and then, yeah, and then what happened? And then and then where did, you know, things go? He was nine years old, and that was 2008, so. Yeah, yeah. So... Like I said, our journey was planned to be one year. We were going to just head south, end up in the tip of Argentina, and we were just going to go. So in addition to the partnership, we also created a bunch of other, we call them our foundational beliefs or scaffolding that helped us. One of the things we were going to do was we were going to say yes to everything as long as it was in alignment with our values, we were going to live without rules. And instead, we were going to define what our core values were and use that as a filter to determine whether or not a decision, you know, is in alignment. And then we give it a yes. Um, we were going to question everything. We weren't, go we were going to basically empty our cup and relearn everything, even if we thought like we felt like we already knew it. We were going to be open to emptying our cup and relearning as much as we could. And we were going to, um, you know, uh, make decisions that were in alignment with joy and fun and intentionally learning as much as we could. So with those things as our foundation, we took off and started in Mexico and we headed south. And then as soon as we got to Guatemala, not very far, we decided that we really loved it there and we wanted to dig in deep. So we rented a beautiful apartment and ended up living in Antigua for almost nine months. And because our trip was only a year, we're like, at some point, we were at the eight-month mark of our journey, and we were in Guatemala. We had already spent time in all over, you know, a few months all over Mexico, and then we headed down to Guatemala. And when that happened, remember our 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 scaffolding. Uh, Miro said to me one afternoon. And, you know, again, we're practicing saying yes and checking and having the conversation, figuring out what's in alignment. He said to me, Mom, can we just do this forever? So I kind of had to say yes, right? Because it wasn't in alignment and, and we were having joy and all of, we were learning and all of these things were, were totally, you know, a part of our, our journey. And so there was no reason for me not to say yes. And so I said yes. And so then we had to, to change gears a little bit. Remember, our, we're starting from Northern um, America and we're heading to the tip of South America and we're still in North America. We hadn't even really gotten into Central America at that point. So yes, we're, you know, we're going slow. This feels good. We like our pace. We like having a, a base and then going and exploring and and really going deeper versus going wider. You know, we weren't about like check mark. Uh, here's this country that we passed through it for one week. We really wanted to dig in and learn the culture and and create community and understand and and be present and expand our awareness and our worldviews and all that stuff. So yeah. That just happened to be, you know, <laughs> what happened. So 
saying yes, we decided, okay, let's shift gears, figure out our our approach to education, figure out um, what this is going to look like. And also I had to figure out how I was going to start creating an income because we were living off of savings for the first year. And then after that, it was gone. So does that feel like, I mean, it sounds to me like that was a pivotal moment, right? Sounds like up till then you were just on an adventure, you were just traveling, you and your son, you were defining what all of this kind of looked like and felt like and sharing this experience and growing from it. But what you just shared about that moment when Miro asked you if you could do this forever, did that feel like the starting point? Did that really feel like the big moment? That was it. What was that feeling like? I mean, was it relief, excitement? Was there anxiety? Did you feel like you had to go back and clean? Like, what was that moment? Because it sounds so simple and easy with you explaining it right now and with you sharing it. But can we just unpack that just for a second? What what was that about? So I, I, I was just trusting it was that same knowing that that inspired us to go on the adventure in the first place. Yes, there were details that I needed to work out at that point. And the really interesting thing is, I believe that the universe will always challenge you um, once you make a decision. The universe will poke you a little bit to see, are you sure this is what you really want? And give you the opportunity once more to make that decision. So that happened eight months into our travels. And somewhere about a year or so late, not later, but a year to 12, maybe 14 months into our travels, we found ourselves in Costa Rica. And at the time, I'm starting to do a little bit of freelance work um, so I could bring in a little bit of income. And, you know, we're starting to to be really serious about how we're going to make this work. Um And that's when I was in Costa Rica. I remember exactly where this happened. We were in Manuel Antonio. Did I say that right? Yeah, Yeah. right down the street from me. It's about an hour, 45 minutes away from us. So So that's where we were. And I get a message from a recruiter. And the recruiter said, I've been searching high and low for you. You are the one that I need to bring in for this job. It's the executive brand manager for Tesla. (laughs) And you'll be working with this guy named, oh, I don't know if you know his name. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah. And and so here we are. We had made the decision (laughs) to continue travels. Yet... Here's my ideal job offer landing in my lap because my my business in the United States in California, uh, we serve green eco companies, conscious companies, and we were the first one to form with this specialty. So we were a boutique branding agency, and we were quite well known in Los Angeles. And this recruiter was looking for me, the person who started that and wanted this person, me, to become the the executive brand manager for Tesla. And I- Working with Elon. Yeah. 
Exactly. So I had to sit with this for about, oh, I don't know, one minute. And then I said, no, because what I had was so much more powerful. I had the thing that I wanted, which was the connection with my son, which I felt like I missed out on the first, um, you know, nine years of his life. I was always really, really busy. And here we were finally enjoying life. I really, together, we really renegotiated what we valued in life. We were really valuing experiences. And I thought, you know what? If, if this, this, you know, company wants me, I can find, I will be wanted by somebody else while I, when I, when I'm ready to go back, if that's what I wish to do. So we left on our journey. We just started our 15th year out of the United States. We never went back. We never made it to Ushuaia, Argentina, but we've been to somewhere around 40-ish countries in between, and we really transformed our lives. But the universe giving me the ability to say, no, I don't want that, and yes, I want this was really a powerful moment. It was transformational for me because I really got to declare to the universe, not just, okay, I'll take this, but this is what I'm choosing. And we had some, you know, over the the 12 years that we were literally on the road, we, we've been, um, we're here in, in Mexico now. I've been here for three years, so this has been our base all during the pandemic and and we just stayed. Um, so I want to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I want to bring it back just for a minute to catch everyone up. So here we are, it's been, would you say a year and a half-ish when you got this catching stride, you got a job offer from Tesla to work with Elon Musk and the feeling that you had at that time was what you were doing with your son in the gifts it was providing and the trust that you had, the life you were making was more powerful than going back to this old paradigm of maybe living back in the city in Los Angeles and having this, you know, super corporate job and working all these hours. I'm going to imagine that a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of families right now listening to you are wondering how was Maru learning? Was there, I know the answer to this question, but I want you to share this is, because this is really pivotal and this is, tell us a little bit about his education at this time when you were on the road, what that looked like, and again, how you negotiated and how you broke free from an, an old mindset or an old paradigm, or maybe you didn't have an old mindset or an old paradigm that you needed to break free from. What worked for you and, and what that process and journey looked like? Easy. So the <laughs> same day that Miro asked me if we could just continue doing this forever and me saying yes, um, that led me to, okay, as the, the, the adult in this partnership, I need to look at how we're going to address education and, and present you with some options. And so I did a deep dive, started researching everything I could about different modalities of learning, um, different ways, different pedagogies around education, um, teaching, learning, that sort of thing. And I looked at all different ways. 
And one of the ones that I stumbled across, which I had never heard of before, was called unschooling. Um, for me, for the life of me, this was so foreign, which is kind of crazy because I questioned almost everything in my life before anyway, but I never questioned education. And I always thought that it was somebody else's job to, and then air quotes, educate my child because I thought it was a thing that he got delivered to him, right? And the only way that he could receive this thing was through qualified human beings trained in this process. And boy, was I wrong. And I started looking at what education was and what made it, you know, what made education education the institutional product byproduct called education and once i started pulling that stuff apart i was like why do we have to follow this and when i discovered what um unschooling was i was like this makes a whole lot of sense it is interest-led education it is curiosity-based, and it is self-directed. And what I recognized was I was already that. That's how I learned so many things throughout my life. I'm a, a an autodidactic, and that's what self-directed education is. And if I learned so much about different topics that I was never, quote-unquote, educated or taught, but I learned the key is the learning. And since I'm capable of learning because, well, I'm spending my whole life carrying this heavy thing on the top of my shoulders called my skull, which contains my brain, which is indeed a learning you know, mechanism, I may as well actualize it in the way that is designed to be used. And that is intentionally learning based on curiosity, right? So I had a deep love of learning and self-directed learning or unschooling is really about cultivating that deep love of learning. And as a lifelong learner, that seemed the most logical. And also because we were traveling, there was everything was new. Everything was novel. It it created conversation from the colors on a building to building styles, to cultural dress, to traditions, to, you know, everything around us. And all we had to do was to tap into our natural curiosity, which is one of the things that Miro was so good at. And we just asked questions and researched and asked questions and researched and asked questions and researched. And because I discovered that there was a name for it, unschooling, and I had the ability to reflect on the past, you know, eight or nine months prior, I realized that we were already doing it. So I did not go through a lot of the de-schooling, you know, problems that many uh, families go through where they have to unpack, unravel and relearn their relationship to education. There were some big things that I needed to relearn, big things that I needed to pull apart and let go of that didn't serve me, that were not really true. It wasn't in alignment with with our values and it was really really easy for us to transition into unschooling 
So that became the 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 modality. And then I later adapted the word world schooling because we were doing much more than just living a stationary life and self-directed learning through books. We were, you know, engaging in experiential learning, social learning. And that was so a we definitely want to get onto the world schooling. But first I want to ask you just staying right in that um that energy, did you at one time call it homeschooling? Was there a sense of, I need to homeschool? Did you feel like you needed to label you and Moreau's experience in these early days? I mean, now I hear you talking unschooling, but before you kind of stumbled across the unschooling. So you didn't have any, or you're shaking your head, but nobody can see that. <laughs> So we never, we never called okay. it schooling. And the reason being is when he said, let's, when I said to him, let's take this trip and he asked me, do I have to go to school? And I said, no, I said, no, because intuitively I knew that my son would learn way more right. than fifth grade ever could offer him. So I knew that. I knew that intuitively. There was no question in my mind. So we didn't take workbooks. We didn't try and stay on top of, you know, um, uh, public school curriculum in Los Angeles. It just wasn't what we were doing. And I, I knew that this was beneficial, not harmful. Good for you. I mean, I feel like that is, it's so powerful in so many and I'm not even going to say under a spell because I don't believe that. I believe everybody, you know, everyone looks through a different lens. But kind of breaking free from that when we're ready to break free from it and being so available and open. And I know we're trusting the universe and all that. But, you know, at times breaking these paradigms are very difficult. But it sounds like you were just on this beautiful path and, um, yeah, and fearlessly going down it. I think that's amazing, Lainey. I'm just going to tell you a real quick story. Um, back in 2020, so we came to Costa Rica in March of 2020. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. We were literally in Costa Rica when everything was shutting down. And it was the most bizarre and surreal experience. We were here for 12 days. And just watching the news, and of course, we're in Costa Rica for the first time. We're out in the jungle, we're at the beach. We didn't want to pay attention to anything, but yet we find ourselves continuing to look at our phones, seeing updates because things happen so quickly. We get home to darkness, you know, and um, I think we all can remember those days of, anyway, but <laughs> we don't need to go down there. But here comes June 2020. We're in pretty much full lockdown. And a friend of mine posted something on Facebook and it said, hashtag world schooling. And it's just like that divine knowing that you shared. You know, it's kind of like a red flag or I'll say a green flag. It's like, hey, look at me. Hashtag world schooling. It was something that was just so loud. And I was like, <laughs> what is world schooling? So here it is. Again, it's the summer of 2020, of COVID, of lockdowns, of, you know, somewhat I felt like, a you know, like so many of us, a huge loss of freedom. 
I literally became addicted, obsessed with world schooling. And this is where it started. And this is when I found you, this community. I followed, I spent hours every day and all night dreaming. It was like a looking through a keyhole and seeing families and communities, global, international families and communities traveling, being together, connecting with each other, sharing ideas, unschooling, learning, uh, homeschooling, you know, whatever type of situation they chose. And it was, I, I mean, I, I guess it's life-changing because my life changed because of it, but it was so profound. Wow. And not one of the places in the world shut down you know, at the same time, or, you know, we were living in New Hampshire at the time, not everything shut down at the same time and different parts of the world had more freedom at different times. So not only was it kind of like a newscast, it was a broadcast to me to see what was going on throughout the world with people, you know, describing it firsthand. So that was really cool and important at that time. But again, seeing what was capable it was what i was capable of through them it was just as partners in believing and in saying i think we can do that i bet we can do that i want to do that what if we could do this and then it was a series of what if what if what if so i just want to mirror that back to you um and then i want you to talk really about how project world school came to be but i just want you to receive that in what you've done, what the community has done, how it firsthand impacts, how it impacted me and my family. And um, so I just, I truly want to say thank you because it's fearless, your movement, your advocacy, your community, it's been fearless. And um, yeah, I, I'm super grateful and I appreciate you a lot, uh, Lainey. And uh, like, well, yeah. Thank you. That is so powerful to hear. I really appreciate your words. Thank you. Very, very kind. And I'm moved by your by by your your words. Thank you. Well, I truly I truly believe it. And um, yeah. So I want you to continue to share this. And so here we are. You decided unschooling was the way to go. Yeah. How did you start doing? You said you attached the world instead took out the on and put the world on the schooling. So take us through that um, journey on how you kind of were inspired for this uh, world school project and moving forward and how you create sure. this community. Well, Project World School. So we continued to travel and live our lives and learn every day and continue to be curious and talk and and discuss and pull apart all sorts of of experiences that we're having and he'd share his resources i'd share my resources and we'd have these really deep conversations an example is like you know after guatemala we went down to nicaragua and there we were um really struck by the uh recent uh history of the sandinista and um what that looked like and the impact that it had on the community there and we as we started to learn more i recalled a book that i read years and years ago and i went and found that book on audio and my son and i listened it 
to listen to the book together. And it was called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And it brought in Americans' interference um, and uh, contribution to the history of the Sandinistas, uh, the American Fruit Company. And then also it carried all the way down to Noriega. uh, uh, Is that right? In Panama. So understanding through a geopolitical lens from the place that we came from, some of the experiences, and now I'm talking to a 10-year-old, and he's he's understanding these very deep concepts because they're in context, right? They make sense. We just experienced, you know, a, a, a community, a country that had this collective grief, collective trauma, and their they're rebuilding themselves from that, and it's very recent. And for example, people that were my age that I met, I in the '80s I was going to the prom and going to you know shows and seeing bands and things like that. And they had no prom, they had no money, they had war. And for me to to imagine somebody my age, what they're teen years or childhood look like, I could relate to that in such a really powerful way. And also eye-opening in terms of not coming at the world from an American-centric um, uh, worldview. Yes, we had that because that's who we were, but we didn't believe that the American-centric worldview was the only way to see the world around us. And it helped us to really expand our worldview and to be able to see perspectives, which was part of our growth and part of our, our learning experiences. And it was deep and relevant because it was in context. And I could tell you story after story after story of experiences we had where we had these massive aha moments because we were there. And it's not something that we read about in a book or watched in a movie. This was our living experience. And that's what made our learning so rich and powerful. And in fact, because we had these deep learning experiences, I started to write about them. I started to blog. Miro and I um, created our own podcast that we researched, wrote, and produced together. We interviewed people. This was the first year of our travels, and it was a really fun project for for us to work on together. And the writing about learning and traveling, um, this is in the early days of travel blogging, uh, people started reading it. And I just wrote it as a you know record. I didn't write it so I could inspire other people. That was never my intention. But I wanted to blog so we had a record of everything. And we started to do that. And our blog got really popular and I started to get questions from people all around the world, you know, like, oh, I see that you're a mom and son traveling in Latin America, but we're a family of four and we want to go to Asia. Where should we go? And I'm like scratching my head going, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not doing that. And I don't know how to travel with a, a family of four because I'm traveling with a family of two. And so I, at that point, and I got so many questions and so many inquiries and comments on my blog, 
constantly. I was like, I've got to create community around this because people, there's got to be a family that's traveling in Asia that can answer this question, right? Or or a large family or, you know, whatever the specifics are, there's got to be people in our that are doing this in our community that can, you know, um, add information because that's their experience. And that's when I started the first world schooling Facebook group, which I then grew into like 40,000 people. It was a massive movement uh, before the drama of somebody taking that group from me and all this crazy stuff on Facebook. And that's why the World Schoolers Facebook group, which was the big one, is now We Are World Schoolers. So we continue to travel and now we find ourselves based in Peru and we're loving living in Peru. The culture was so fascinating for us. And we decided instead of traveling, we tra- made our way all through the rest of Central America and we're in um, South America. We had gone through Colombia, Ecuador, and then we we come to Peru and we're like, let's stay here for a while. And that became our base. And at the time, Miro was 13. And stepping into his his early adolescence, he started to really feel like he needed community. And I knew how important that was because I was building community online. And I saw that how powerful that was for me because it it really I felt supported. I didn't feel like I was on this journey alone. Um, at the time, there weren't forty thousand people in the group, but you know there were hundreds and hundreds. And every every month, it grew by a thousand or so, and it 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 started to really gain legs. And we were invited to speak at a conference in the United States, in New Hampshire, actually. We flew to New Hampshire. We spoke at this conference about world schooling. It was an unschooling conference. And Miro met tons of young people that were unschooled. They were like free range kids. And they, you know, they were like him. They were free thinkers. They they believed in freedom. Um, their interests were very similar. They weren't, you know, indoctrinated by the school system. And he really felt like, oh my God, these are my people. And so we came back to Peru and he said, you know, mom, I'm depressed. I really want to have community. I want to have friends. And even though we know a lot of people here in Peru, the, the children that I'm meeting are children of potato farmers, and there's a big cultural gap. And as much as, you know, he was trying to connect, it just, there was just too many things that, that kept them from not really creating deep, meaningful friendships. And that's what he wanted most in the world. And so at that point, I said to him, we could go back to the States if that's what you feel like you want. And he said, no, I love this lifestyle. I I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to a conventional life. I love our freedom. I love our experiences, but I want friends. And I said, well, then why don't we bring teens to us? 
we we know that they're out there. <laughs> you know, we met them at this conference. There's a lot of unschooling, homeschooling conferences around the United States, and I'm sure in other parts of the world. Those people are the people that are going to want to come and do a an unschooling trip with us, maybe. And so that that was the birth of Project World School. We decided at that point to launch a company together. He was 13. Um, and yeah, and our first group, we brought our first group of teens to Peru that year. The next year, we brought another group. And then the year after that, we, we were in Peru and Ecuador. And every year, we started to build more and more um you know, uh, locations. We've been around the world. We've done trips in Africa, all over Asia and Europe, all throughout uh, Central and South America. We've we've done trips everywhere. We've done, and I brought over 200 teens to different places in the world to live in these immersive learning communities, which are experiential learning, social learning driven. So yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Lainey, that is absolutely amazing. I'm going to go back to June 2020 when I first was introduced again to Project World School and just combing through your website and creating dreams and visions for myself and my family. My husband was an international um, sales manager at the time, and I'm a transformational life coach, as you know, and just thinking, what if, what if, and my son at the time was 13, my oldest. So interestingly enough, but just thinking about these, but I remember going to um, the retreats that you guys were holding, the teen retreats. And I remember thinking, oh, we need to do this. Now at the time, of course, we had no idea what COVID was going to do and how long things were going to be shut down. I remember reading through all of these in showing my husband and showing my kids, look at what we can do with these retreats, you guys. Like, could you imagine what if, and this November, my son is now 16 years old. He is going to Thailand for three weeks with yep. your son yep. as the leader. I, it's just literally, I mean, the manifestation in the path is just it's incredible it's beautiful so um god it, it's thank yeah. you I, i'm just super super excited for, you know for this whole experience and for this to kind of come full circle and also know that we are incredible creators and manifestors right and these things are on our path and sometimes there's time between our starting point and when these things happen, but trusting the universe and knowing the direction that we want to go in. So um, continue telling the story because it, it's just so fascinating. Now you have the teenagers. Now Miro is 13 and going into his um, mid-teenage years. You're, you've created a huge community. You're creating physical experiences for the kids. Yeah, so we started to produce these trips and we created our own structure, our own way of facilitating trips. But before that happened, I researched everything and learned everything I could about learning communities. I had to learn about nonviolent communication. I had to learn about holding space. I had to learn about circles. And 
One of the things that that really surprised me is, I mean, I haven't told you so much about my background, which goes into the book, but I'm going to just insert a little bit of information here. So I was raised in a household in my childhood. I experienced quite a bit of trauma growing up. And part of my experience as a teen, like I had the worst you know, adolescence. I had really, really tough teen years. And and growing up, I felt invisible. And I noticed in my early adulthood, there was a lot of patterns based from the beliefs that I created about myself from my childhood. And I worked really, really hard to uh, research, find tools that I could use in my own self-directed um, healing um, you know, part of my trauma response was hyper-independence, and I was no way, like, you know, passing off my my mental health and my emotional health to another person. I need to do this myself, and that drove me down the path of really deep research into, you know, healing and um, self-help and, and, you know, spiritual growth and all of that stuff. So I read everything I could. I did all used all sorts of tools. But what I didn't realize was the tools that I learned while I was, you know, engaged in my own self-directed healing path, those tools came in handy 20 years later because now here I am holding space for teens that many for the first time are really outside of their comfort zone and away from home, feeling like they're not really stable and having these tools as a way to facilitate what's happening in their internal worlds while they're having this massive groundbreaking outer world experience um, we needed to have the tools and the the um, space and the um, ability to unpack some of those experiences to be able to integrate them as we were traveling. And so that became a big part of my contribution. I didn't set out to do that, but it it inspired me to research more and learn more tools. And I I really dove down a path of learning about adolescent brain development, psychological development, evolutionary psychology, everything along those those lines, because it was helping me and my understanding to connect and facilitate with a group of teens. You know, here I am with a group of 12 teens, and if they're all freaking out, I need to be able to create space, manage it, um, uh, you know, really have safe tools where they can exhale and relax into whatever is going on and integrate the, the um the experience. So that became a big part of our structure as well. So every night we did a, a group circle unpacking and we created the structure around that as well. And that those two things, the outer world and the inner world, became the focus of Project World School. And in the early years, Miro, um, you know, was a participant. He was like getting what he needed from it. He didn't help at all with any of the planning or the preparation. I did everything. But this was for him to get what he needed out of that experience. And I was glad, happy to do it. 
And as Miro became older, we had one experience where um, we had one teen, he was maybe 16 or 16 at this point, I think. We were running trips at this time. We had already run like 10 trips or something like that. And this particular group, we had one teen girl who was on our trip who had really, really, really bad anxiety. And that came out as um, uh, homesickness. And so the first week, it was, you know, busting out tears and all kinds of, you know, very, very deep um, fears coming up and I always sat with her and I was able to facilitate and get her, get her to a space where she felt safe. And then we were able to continue. But, you know, the strategy of getting everybody around to support her was really important. And after that trip was over, and then finally she, she transitioned into feeling confident and the last two weeks were great. But after that trip, Mironi really unpacked and he said, um, I'm ready to step into more of a co-facilitation with you. I see all the work that you're doing. And I recognize that I'm not in the same spaces that teens are, but I have that that uh you know that haven't traveled because he he was very experienced traveling but i have that ability to connect because i'm a teen and i know the teen experience and you know we shook hands and then he stepped into co-facilitation and that became so powerful so then we were co-facilitating the trips and we would add more things and it just was a a powerful partnership and it still is and now we still co-facilitate. I work on the the shorter the intro trips with the younger teens with Bureau, and he's now guiding the longer trips without me. So your son is going on the the first trip with Miro and our other um, you know adult facilitator. And this is the first trip that I am not going to be the, the co-facilitator. And I do appreciate your love and trust in the process. And I know you know they're going to be safe. And we've talked about the safeguarding and all of that stuff. But we've had 10 years of experience working with over 200 teens. And we understand now the facilitation practice and, you know, how to safeguard and and our agreements and all of those things are, you know, tried, true and tested and they work. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And so, yes, thank you. And, and I do feel safe and I do feel confident. Um, and part of the reason is because I feel like I've been on this journey with you at least virtually for three years. So I, I, I trust your experience and it hasn't stopped. You continue to learn, you continue to share, you continue to grow and build off who you are and what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more just about, let's see, um, you were in Amsterdam giving a TED talk and I've actually watched that and I've watched your son and I've watched many things that you have done. So why don't you talk about like the power of that, the power of stepping into your voice and sharing on a stage. I mean, you know, like literally and figuratively and um, kind of how things have gone from that moment when you guys shook hands and really said, yes, we're doing this to now, because now it truly is a business. You've written a 
incredible book, and I want to talk about that as well. But take take us through a little bit of you know the sure. nuts and bolts of how you got from there to here. Sure. So I, I'll just answer your question about Amsterdam. Um, I don't remember the year, but Miro was sixteen. And we were invite. I was invited to give a TEDx talk at an educational conference, and I said, um, "I'm not going to do it unless I could share the stage with Miro because this, we're in partnership." It's and they they had a check, and you know, not you don't have many TEDx or TED talks. Uh, with two people on the stage. It's usually just one person, but we had to jump through some hoops and they said yes. And so I said yes. And we flew out and we did this educational um, conference. I learned a lot about my speaking abilities. Miro was awesome. Um, I realized I could not memorize a speech that I wrote, which was crazy. (laughs) You know, I did everything. I, I I searched, like, how do you memorize something? And we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And I, like, recorded my voice and tried to listen to it. You know, I tried to repeat it. I tried to sing it, all this stuff. But we had to have a memory. Like, I speak at so many conferences, but I don't speak a script. I just, my mind doesn't stick to that. I go with the flow, right? And but we had to because we had to with two people. It had to be rehearsed because one person needed to know what their their cue was for the next bit and back and forth. So we were back and forth, back and forth. And so I brought cards with me onto the stage, and they were not happy with that. I was like, it's the only way I can do it. But the funny thing too is they gave us. I think they gave us sixteen minutes, and that's how long our speech was. And we had to. Um, submit the the written speech and everything was approved ready to go and the day that we got there for the dress rehearsal they told us everybody's speech was reduced to 12 minutes so oh my gosh like not only did i like the memorization the the oh my god it was crazy so that I was really nervous. Miro spoke with so much poise and presence, and he stole the show. And I'm just so proud to be on stage with him. It was such a great talk. And this is a fifth grade dropout, right? This is somebody who is proud of being a fifth grade dropout. He's eloquent. He's got stage presence. He holds himself. He 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 speaks so beautifully. And yeah, so that was the experience. And I'm really glad we did it. It was so scary, <laughs> but we said yes. And it was a lot of fun. Um, since then, we've spoken on the stage so many times at so many conferences. We've spoken at conferences in South Africa and Greece. And um, we spoke at a conference in the Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, all over. It was just, it's been crazy. But the first one is the one that you're like, <laughs> right, right, right. That's the breakthrough. Yeah. 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 And then the book, you asked you about the book. So I wrote a book called Seen, Heard, and Understood, Parenting and Partnering with Teens for Greater Mental Health. And within the book, um, I share many things. I share uh, strategies on how to parent in partnership. 
I share um, personal stories of my own childhood and what did and didn't work, mostly didn't work, and and the results that it had on my life and, and how I transformed those belief systems into what you've got now. Um, I also talk about the biology, psychology, neurobiology of um, uh, adolescent development. And so, and I explain it, you know, it's all deeply researched, but I explain it in such a way that it's really easy to comprehend. So if a parent is picking up this book and not understanding why why their teen is suddenly checked out or walking past them without saying a word, this will help breathe some light into that awareness so you don't take it personally. And then most of the book includes, is really about getting to the ninth chapter, which is a robust chapter with tools, tools for greater mental health. And a lot of the tools are the tools that I use in my practice. In 2020, I opened up a, a company called Transformative Mentoring for Teens. I also am a transformative uh, transformational coach, but for teens. So um, I use the same probably similar strategies and tools that you do, I'm sure. Uh, but I but they're all integrated and developed in, a, in such a way that it flows for teens and makes sense for them. And the tools that are in the book are, like I said, very similar or in many cases, the same tools that I use in my practice. And the book, during the book, I invite parents to go through the process and actually use the tools themselves and then connect with their teen or tween by sharing what they discovered about their own inner worlds and using vulnerability as one of the spaces to create connection. Connection is really the point of partnership parenting. And mental health is, or mental fitness, if you, if you want to call it that, um, that's one of the wonderful byproducts of, of connection. And yeah, yeah, so that's so, it. Yeah. Oh, so that's it. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> because the teenage years for so many, and including me, were so scary just like the anticipation of getting your child to be a teenager it's just like we've been taught almost that your child is going to become this like monster this different person and they do become a different person but so when i was a teenager things definitely blew up a little bit in my house i mean my parents i believe looking back Definitely got to the point where they I, they didn't know what to do with me anymore. You know, I think that they had this child, this, you know, beautiful daughter. And at some point, I changed. And the result of that wasn't positive. Yeah. And then there became conflict. And that's when things became difficult in the family. And so again, you know, they always say, oh, well, paid acts a bitch. You know that like, oh, well, paid. when you are, when you have teenagers, you're going to, and it always feels like this retribution, like teenagers are difficult and you're going to have to deal with it. And if you were bad, they're going to be bad. And we moved here. So Lydia was just turned 14 
And this started to be struggle. And I, I, I started to see struggle. I started to feel struggle. And I love what you just said about sharing the vulnerability, showing up vulnerable, because I didn't at first. I showed up with my ego. Mm -hmm. And it was, fortunately, I feel like I transitioned quickly. And I might have been for a lot of different things that I don't personally need to get into right now. But I did see, I did have an awakening and say, how do I want this relationship to move forward? Do I want to continue to argue and struggle? Or do I want to, like you said, be vulnerable and allow things to happen differently? Differently than what I was taught and differently than the situation allows right now. The vulnerability piece and getting our ego out of the way was such a huge shift for me. And although our relationship went in different directions for a little bit, it did circle back in, in fairly quickly. And I just, I got this from um, your um, website and information. And I just love this, uh, Lainey. I just want to mirror this back because this is kind of how I felt and this is where I was. And I just love this um, couple sentences. You wrote, salty, sticky finger. Oh, the kids, the, the teenagers, they have salty, sticky fingers and they know exactly where to touch our wounds. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, that just resonated so much with me because that's what it feels like when you have the teenagers, right? It's just like salty, sticky fingers and they know exactly where to touch your wounds. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable actually that they know exactly. And then we are, unhealed and the kids know exactly where to poke yeah and it's painful and they're so smart when they become teenagers and they see us so clearly so how are we showing up right and continuing to build who we are and expand who we are so the book is called seen heard and understood parenting and partnering with teens for greater mental health and it has rapidly become a survival guide for parents of teens seeking authentic connection with their kids. So how is the book doing? What it's you just had a one year anniversary. You've been on yeah. the best selling list. Yeah. It's putting together you have workshops, online webinars. I mean, this it, it it's just <sighs> huge, Laney. And you're helping so many women and families and children. So bring it back and tell us a little bit about that. Show us what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that really is my mission. I know that's why I'm here on this planet. I'm really here, you know, during my entire adolescence, I felt invisible and there was nothing I wanted more than to be seen, heard and understood. And I never want another teen to go through their adolescence with that feeling. And so I mentor so many teens. I've got, I teach courses, I teach 12-week course um, teaching these tools, uh, many, like I said, of which are in my book, um, but facilitating tools to a group of teens where we've created a safe space. They're trusting that whatever they're experiencing is safe to talk about. And then witnessing other teens having the same fears or beliefs or or limiting thoughts. That's powerful because 
you 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 literally see the exhale they're exhaling from you know relief they don't feel like they're so alone they don't feel like it's only them they feel like oh okay i get this it's not foreign and it's easy to understand once you can pull it apart name it look at it and deal with it so that's really really powerful yeah yeah so amazing again the families that you're supporting creating this beautiful container just lifting up and showing these um teens and parents how to do things differently um having miro lead these teen retreats laney it's it's truly um you know it, it's like you said, it's your mission and purpose here in life and you're just shining. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So the courses that I teach online, you can find through transformative mentoring And then Miro, my son and I also co-teach a uh tween course, a course for the younger, younger teens, tweens and teens. And we've taken all of the the um, strategies around self-inquiry and we've gamified them for the younger ones and it's a lot of fun for them so not only are we normalizing self-inquiry and creating more awareness around emotional intelligence in boys and girls you know across the board because you know I, I think everybody needs these sorts of skills, but it's not very common for for males in our culture. And mm. I've seen that the sort of opening, you know, oh, there is emotional awareness. There is intelligence around this. The opening, oh, I can name what I'm feeling. Oh, I understand emotions now. They're here to teach me something. They flow through me. I am not that emotion. Oh, wow. And that is so transformational and empowering. I can see it in real time, especially when boys get it. You know, it's girls have a sense already, but boys are like these giant aha moments. And it's really powerful. And it's it's interesting because Miro never grew up without that. We were always highly communicative and um, emotional intelligence was a big part of his entire up upbringing. We always talked about everything. So yeah, and he, it's been so, wonderful being with my son in this capacity too. What a gift, what an amazing gift, honestly. I just have one final question, Lainey, and I don't mean to like continue, you know, on this big thing, but I'm, I'm really, really curious. How has, because, You've done the TEDx, you're, you've been in um, the, the New York Post, the New York Times, you've been in so many mainstream publications. Just quickly, I would love to hear how mainstream kind of looks at you and what you've done and what the challenge is with this has been. And yeah, but I'll just speak to that for a minute. Still, people think that I'm nuts. They do. <laughs> and that's okay. I, I was on a podcast last night, and it was broadcasting live. And there were, yeah, I was talking about partnership parenting. 
And, you know, I was talking about an, a non-authoritarian approach to parenting and, and dozens and dozens of comments by people that were, you know, very comfortable in the mainstream saying we're, we have to be authoritarian in, you know, when we parent our children, they need us to guide them and all of these comments. So I trigger people. I know that. And anytime somebody is triggered by an idea that is outside of their belief system, if you are experiencing either a form of cognitive dissonance or a trigger, that means the things that I'm saying are touching on a wound inside of you that needs to look at. So it's just an indication that, you know, if there's a belief and you're not being flexible and don't want to engage in dialogue and you're like, no, I am not going to consider that, which many people do in my universe. Um, that's not about me or the things that I'm saying. I I gracefully walk through this planet and I've I've shared with the world so much of my experience in my book and in the podcast and and all the interviews that I've given. I'm I'm walking through this planet authentically it works and it it worked for me and it works for the families that i work with but if you are triggered by my work and by you know approaching parenting from a different perspective then you know look inside find out what's going on that you feel so threatened that it's it's creating this response inside of you that anytime we're triggered it's an indication that we have an unhealed space inside of us that's all that's all and we're human what a gift what a gift that we have these mechanisms that alert us that we've got work to do thank you I love it. I love it. So you are living in Mexico right now. What's the name of the town you're in? I'm in Guanajuato. You've been there how long? Um, I've been here a little over two years. Um, yeah, I've been in Mexico for three. So I've, I've been here about two and a half years now in Guanajuato. Is he, is he living with you? Is he living in the same town? He's in the same town as me. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't live in the, we don't share a house anymore. He's twenty-four. He likes his life. Twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. Lainey, any final um, things that you'd like to share? I'm just super grateful to no. have you here. I mean, because I I know that this is going to be just a very different conversation for so many, but I also know that my audience is, you know, really loves learning new information and, and different points of view and different experiences. So. Awesome. No, I don't have any parting words other than, you know, I just hope that everybody's listening, who, who's listening, that all of your relationships are in partnership. And yeah, I just wish you the best. Yeah. So I just want to encourage everybody. Um, all of Lainey's information is going to be here, not just on the platform, uh, the podcast platform. It's going to be on all of my Instagram. It's going to be on all of my Facebook. It is reach out to Lainey directly. If you have any questions of my experience and what I've been doing, reach out. But I highly encourage you not just to get the book seen, heard, and understood, Parenting and Partnering with Teens for Greater Mental Health. If you have a tween, um, prepare yourself. Um, there's, there's so much work to do to make this a really smooth transition. Lainey is there to help. She has a lot of advice, webinars, 
podcast. I mean, there's so much to dip into. And then, of course, the um, more structured um, programs for the tweens and teens. So truly, consider this. Buy the book. Plug into Lainey and what she's doing. Check out her uh, website, which is projectworldschool.com. Um, see all the things that she's doing. It's really, really incredible, uh, friends. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you. And see you next time. Thank you, Lainey. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day.